This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm joined by Trav. And I'm Drew. And I'm Trav. This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. And as always, we're here to talk about 80s and 90s media. How are you doing, Travis? I'm doing pretty good. A little tired today, but how are you doing? Uh, tired as well. Um, I don't know why, just tired, I guess. I did have to replace the battery in my car today. That is exhausting. Uh, is the first time I've ever done it. Thanks, Know Your Car class from high school actually put some of that stuff to work, so it was great. Nice. Did you know that a new battery for a 2012 Nissan Sentra costs $200? I just found that out right oh now. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like... What do you got for cheap ones? And he says, I got this one for $179. I got this one for $199. And I'm like, Ugh. I, I said cheap. <laughs> I said cheap, but that was it for that. Um, I want to open it up and talk about what the top game in 1997 was. Let's hear it. So I chose 97 uh, specifically because the first episode that we're going to talk about today, Angry Beavers, um, aired originally in 1997, uh, April 19th, 1997. Um, the top game in 1997 was Mario Kart 64. Bada bing. A fan, I'm assuming. Oh yeah, I put a lot of time into Mario yes, Kart Yes, yes, yes. And then once you mastered the shortcut on Rainbow Road, right, you had to outlaw it when you're playing with your friends, correct? Yep, definitely. Yeah, outlawed, outlawed, outlawed. I did a lot more of the battling than the racing. Oh with yeah. The three balloons. And... Did they have, the, they had the battling in the Super Nintendo one, correct? I'm not sure. I, that was an addition for 64. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, th- I think it was an addition. I don't recall playing the battle on the Super Nintendo version of Mario Yeah, Kart. I don't think it was on there, but that was the funnest part of 64 for sure. Mm-hmm. That that whole thing was revolutionary with the four-player on the Nintendo 64. Yeah. Between Mario Kart and 007, like, it oh, was just... lots of 007. Did you ever make the cardboard cutout for the TV? Uh-uh. So, like, when we would play, uh, like, my friend Matt would be really, really good at uh, 007. So we made a cardboard cutout that like sectioned off his screen. Right. And he had to lay on the floor and look up at it so he couldn't see the rest of the TV. But you guys still could see. We could see the other three screens and see his also. But he would still win almost every time. Yeah. It was just, he was just very, very good at the game. And have you been back to 007 at all? So years after it was out and I worked at GameStop, our GameStop manager had us all over playing games. We're like, we got to play some old 64 games. We popped in GoldenEye and wow, is that hard to go back (laughs) to after you've played modern shooters. It's It's, impossible. Yeah, it's Using the C stick to aim and stuff. (laughs) And yeah, especially if you're being odd job, the short guy and all that. Yeah. It it was brutal. It was very brutal. Uh, That could use a remaster with some updated controls. Yes, it it would. That would be a lot of fun, really, to port something like that, even to the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, that would be sweet. It would be great, even if you use the level of graphics from the re-release on the Nintendo Wii, right? Right. Then you'd probably play online and I'd probably get slaughtered because I'm sure people have just been playing that religiously since then somehow. I would get slaughtered. There's no probably. I would get (laughs) slaughtered. Um, So April 19th, 1997, again, the top movie on that day was Jennifer Lopez's quintessential movie. (laughs) Anaconda. Anaconda. <laughs> Are you a fan? Have you seen it? I have seen it. I, I don't know that I'd say I'm a fan. It's been a while, but I, I remember being pretty terrified when I was a yeah. kid because I'm not necessarily afraid of snakes, but I am afraid of 
open water <laughs> and big snakes. And giant snakes. <laughs> giant like snakes. 40 foot snakes. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was a big fan. Um, I've only seen the movie maybe once or twice. There's yeah. a surprisingly large like cult following to that movie. People love that movie. I, yeah, I, I don't remember it being a bad movie. No, it, no. That, that could maybe be a homework assignment eventually. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, when uh, Jennifer Lopez dies, it's great. Ice T, he dies, right? That's great. It's yeah. all. It's just very uh, 1997 for the people that are in it. Um, before we move on to our next se- uh, segment in the homework review, I just want to say that all the links to all the sources that I use to find this information um, are going to be available in the show notes. And a special thanks to all the Nickelodeon fandom pages. Uh, honestly, without those, a lot of this information would be scattered amongst the internets, yeah, and, you know, and it'd be difficult definitely. to find. So. To all those people that uh, transcribe that stuff onto fandom, great job. Made my life a lot easier. (laughs) Um, So the homework review is the double Nicktoon weekends. And it was a programming block that ran from August 97 to July 1998. It's two and a half hours on Saturdays and Sunday mornings. And uh, as suggested by the title, it consisted of back-to-back episodes of various Nicktoons. Um, the very first one we're going to talk about is the Angry Beavers. And like I said, ran from April 19th, 1997 to May 26, 2001. Um, we'll never see those last two seasons on this podcast. Um, it's created by Mitch Shower and Mitch Shower. He, if I'm saying that correctly, sorry, Mitch, if I'm not saying it correctly, looks like shower, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, he worked on great shows like Garfield and friends, the Ren and Stimpy show, Rocco's modern life. Hey, Arnold. Freakazoid, he uh, won an Emmy for production on that episode, on that series. Nice. Um, our characters in Angry Beavers are Daggett Doofus, Dag Beaver, voiced by Richard uh, Stephen Hol- Horovitz, Horovitz, um, Norbert Foster Nor Beaver, the other beaver in this show, is uh, voiced by Michael Whitfield in the uh, pilot, but then it was Nick Bouquet in the series, and he's pretty a famous. He's a pretty famous voice actor. Um, he was Salem in, uh, what was that with, uh, Melissa Joan Hart? What was the name of that show where she was a witch? Uh, Sabrina the there Teenage Witch. There you go, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. So if you've seen that show, then you know something else that he's done. Um, the Angry Beavers didn't have any official video games, but they appeared in Nicktoon Racing for PlayStation, Game Boy Advance, PC, Game Boy Color, Arcade. That was on everything, I guess. Uh, Norbert and Daggett also have cameos as trophies in Nicktoons Attack on the Toybots and in Nicktoons MLB. Let's just head on over to the episodes, I guess, unless you want to talk about anything else. No. Episodes. Episodes. Uh, This episode, April 19th, 1997. I believe that's the fourth time I've already said that in like five minutes. (laughs) I will not say it anymore, I promise. Um, It's Born to be Beavers. And... uh, did you like this episode? Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> all these were so great. But yeah, definitely have seen this episode a bajillion times. Yes. But it's hilarious. It's For a pilot episode, I can't believe how like captivating it is. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I remember about it specifically was like watching this, maybe the day it premiered, maybe not. Being like, wow, this show is absolutely for me. Really good. I think Daggett might be one of my favorite animated characters of all time. I agree. All of his noises that he makes. Yeah. It had been a long time since I had watched an Angry Beavers uh, cartoon. And all the noises and the lingo that they both of them use. Right. Just like, oh, 
this is just bringing me straight back yeah. to being, you know, 13 years old. Yeah, I love how different both of their voices are mm-hmm. in this show. Absolutely. It's the best. Um, did you notice the, okay, so I guess we can talk about quickly, you know, they get kicked out of the house because of yeah. a second uh, set of uh, beaver pups that were born. And so the mom and dad beaver are like, you're out of here. And after uh, she gives birth herself, she just yeah. get, walks away and two seconds later, here's the babies. Yep. See you later. And then they get kicked out and uh, Norbert is very okay with it. He's like, he doesn't care. He's like, chill, dude. He's like, I'm chill. And that's his whole, his whole like thing. Uh, did you notice when they first leave that the road sign that they go by? Mm-mm. So there's a road sign that they go by where they're carrying the big trunk. And uh, the sign has a bunch of different locations with mileages on it. And uh, Pawawashka was the first one. And that's the birthplace of uh, creator Michael Shower. So that's kind of cool. That's cool. And then Burbank, which was the home of the Nicktoon, uh, the Nickelodeon Animation Studios. And then finally just Fairfax, which had nothing to do with anything. Um, maybe we should take a step back real quick. I wanted to talk about the opening of this show. Um, it really, uh, capitalized on that, like 1960s resurgence that was happening in the late nineties, the mid to late nineties. It just had that whole feel of like something straight out of like 1965. Right. Yeah. And that's pretty appropriate. If you, if you think about like the, everything comes back every 30 years. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. It really made me really think about uh how everything was flower power and stuff like that in the late 90s and um how i don't really miss it very much yeah yeah <laughs> uh i guess but all our most of our parents i'm were like children of the 60s so it makes yeah. a lot of sense um initially this episode is presented as a wilderness th- uh, wilderness film and that's a theme that carries on throughout the whole series yeah so it's kind of doing like the like the ma- like the documentary thing that the office does yeah it's yeah. a really similar type of idea it's it's interesting to know that they're they present it as a wilderness film so there are cameras documenting what these brothers do yeah all three of these episodes are very much in the vein of a looney tunes cartoon mm-hmm. especially ren and stampy when we get to it yeah not as much with rocco's modern life but then a happy medium would be angry beavers Definitely. with that level of looney tuneness so when they head out after uh, their mother has the new set of pups uh they're out there to find their home and they want to m- make a dam right mm-hmm. uh they're pretty unsuccessful yes the first couple of times and it's mostly because of Norbert being very go with the flow. Yeah, he doesn't give a crap. <laughs> he doesn't care at all, and he's letting Daggett do all the work, uh, especially when uh, Norbert decides to climb that giant train bri- bridge and just let Daggett do all the work for yeah. him. He calls Daggett up there, and did you notice that all the other beavers... Were taking <laughs> all his supplies just, that he just did. Just stole all of them, which yep. is... Uh, Pretty darn funny. I don't know if that's something I would have noticed as a kid, but I definitely noticed it this time around. Yeah. Um, so they tried the train tracks, and then they go over to the chicken coop, yep. which is a pretty funny set of uh, scenes. Yeah. Um, obviously, it ends with it not going very well. Not going very well. Um, that farmer ends up grabbing Dag's old uh, cash and prizes. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> but that gets them over to the uh, to the 
the farm truck. Yeah. And in the back of that truck is everything that they need for a perfect beaver dam. Somehow. <laughs> Somehow. And you, if you look in the back of that truck, there's things in it that appear after the, the dam has been completed, like the stop sure. sign and a couple other little things that are sitting back there. But I really remember crying, laughing at this scene after they start rolling down the hill in the thunderstorm, you know, and Norb's just a, a, along for the ride. Daggett is freaking out. Freaking out. <laughs> We're moving. Yeah, man. We're moving on. <laughs> it's just a, it's a great scene. And that's one of those scenes that it just really, it sticks out in my mind. Like when I think of the angry beavers, that's one of the first things that I think of. Yeah. And they end up with their dam uh, completely by luck. Yep. Norbert <laughs> had the right attitude. Yeah, he had the right attitude. And you know, that may be somewhat of what they're teaching in this episode. And it's not, None of these episodes are really episodes to teach anybody anything. No, nothing educational whatsoever. Maybe you can draw from that as a kid to not be so high strung and maybe go with the flow a little bit yourself. Things will work out. But uh, that is the extent of any type of education coming from any of these episodes. It just wasn't on the forefront in 1997. Which I am completely okay with. It's fun to just watch these shows and check your brain out and just have fun oh, yeah. with them. That's just craziness like that makes zero sense but makes you laugh. Yeah, and it's the best thing about all of these episodes, all these shows, is that you just get to check out, you get to laugh, and you get to relive a little piece of your childhood. Definitely. Um, and the episode ends with what I would call um, Norb's catchphrase, right? Yeah. Big hug. Yep. He's into those hugs. Um. I that first segment is a very strong segment and really sets up everything that you need to know for the Angry Beavers going forward. Yep. Um, very funny. Like a, all those uh, um, dagisms, like spoot, spoothead, yeah. all that stuff. I, I love that stuff. It's very, very I love funny. when he's like hacking up fur balls basically <laughs> all the time. All those little. Yep. Yep. It's the best. Absolutely love it. The next 10 minute segment, I was saying 15 minutes in the last episode, but they're more like 10 to 12 minutes because yeah. of commercial breaks, right. which I watched, even though I have uh, Angry Beavers and Rocco's Modern Life on DVD, I ended up getting Paramount Plus so I could watch Ren and Stimpy. Uh, I watched them, all these episodes on Paramount Plus and was very disappointed at the level of commercials in Paramount Plus. See, I've had Paramount Plus since it was CBS All Access, and I must be locked into you, a no ads. You must because be. I'm on an annual subscription, and I have I have maybe like one 10 second ad in the beginning of an episode, and then there's nothing else. That's so. I wish that was all. There's like two to three minute breaks throughout the episodes, which is unfortunate. But yeah, it's more like how it actually was, I guess. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Um, up all night is the next segment. It was a great uh, a second half to this episode. Yeah, I it, like that it actually continues the story. Yeah, you know, it's not just like a blanket twelve minute episode that nope. doesn't coincide. They're actually continuing from that first one. I really like that a lot too. It's uh, uh, I don't know if that continues on. I don't really recall if it does or not, but it wouldn't surprise me if it yeah. did. Um. I said that it was a play on a Twilight Zone episode. It's not really a play. I've tried to find said Twilight Zone episode that I may have been thinking of. does not exist. There's some things that are similar. I think so. I was thinking of a different episode when mm-hmm. you said that than what this actually was. There's a different episode where they both stay up watching horror movies all night. Yes. So it's not just this one horror no. movie that's in this. No, which that uh, that one main character in that movie, he makes a reoccurrence. I can't remember his name now, though whatever 
Um, so it was more Twilight Zone-esque than actually a direct play on Twilight Zone, which it was. But uh, the the B-movie in it, the uh, the Crawling spe- Spleen, is a spoof of a 1963 American science fiction horror film called The Crawling Hand. Um, and there was a sequel to this episode. Did you know that? Uh-uh. I didn't recall it either. Um, I'm going to do this in my big voice movie guy type of voice here. Up all night too. Up all day. The Reckoning. <laughs> So I hope that's how it was presented on Nickelodeon. And that one aired almost uh, two years after uh, this one, which was in 1999. So we'll get to that one eventually. Nice. Um, it was, this episode was just, it was a goofy, goofy episode. Yeah. It was a lot of fun um, to like, like I remember having uh, up all night sleepovers oh, like that definitely. as a kid, you know, minus the eating of the jalapenos, which yeah, I, definitely I, not. I never even understood that when I was younger. I'm like, why are they eating jalapenos? Yeah. And I don't get what they're doing. They're like sucking the insides out that's and what eating it lo- half of the jalapeno. That's I, what it looked like. That's... Jalapenos. <laughs> it's tasty jalapenos. <laughs> um, they end up staying up all night because dad can't sleep. Right. And so they're like, oh, I guess we can just stay up all night. And they do some pretty common, like, sleepover type of stuff. Right? Yeah, the like, prank phone calls. Yeah, and... jumping on the couch, that type of stuff. Um, watching horror flicks. Um, the prank phone calls were pretty funny. Did uh, Norbert purposely call their mom? Yes. I would assume. Yes, yeah. I would assume. I would assume. Um, in the way that, uh, so Norb, he calls the deli and delivers the joke correctly. Do you guys have any chicken necks? She says yes, and he says you should wear a turtleneck so people don't notice. Um, and then he dials, like Travis said, the, he dials their parents, uh, unbeknownst to Daggett. And then he just completely butchers it. Yeah, it's, yeah. And it's pretty darn funny. And yeah, yes, obviously, uh, Norbert did that on purpose. So after the prank phone calls, they do go see, watch that movie. And it's just full of terrible B acting. It's pretty dang funny it's uh, i don't know if you've ever watched movies like that from like the 50s no i haven't um the only way that i've watched those is with mystery science theater 3000 so i've never like actually sat down and watched an episode or a movie like that just to watch it it's always right. been you know in a comedy vein uh but man it really wasn't too far off to how those bad no. b movies yeah. were um so after that movie, they are like, man, what's it got to be like four o'clock in the morning? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nope, it's 937. <laughs> <laughs> so then they do silly stuff like exercising to stay awake and a less than enthusiastic pillow fight. Right. Um, they think they hear the spleen, right? Because they're delirious yes. with sleep at this point. Yep. And it turns out to just be a sponge in the sink. Yeah. It's and a silly they destroy gag. their whole kitchen. <laughs> destroy the whole kitchen. Um. And they do a final check of the clock. It's 10.34 p.m. Yep. And now they got the giggles. And one of my favorite lines from the whole episode is spleeny weenie spoot face. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. So then they end up looking at the clock again. And it's still 10.34. That clock is unplugged. And guess what? It's the future. Yeah. How long have we been asleep? <laughs> It's a great episode. I absolutely love Angry Beavers. Uh, oh, it's so good. Angry Beavers is pretty hard to beat, and it really holds up to this day. And I oh, think definitely. it's a, a show that I could probably even get my five-year-old to watch, which is great. Our next episode on the docket is Rocco's Modern Life, and that ran from September 18th, 1993 to November 24th, 1996. That was uh, created by Joe Murray, 
Um, after season three, Murray handed the project off to the late Stephen Hillenburg. Does that name ring a bell to you? Sounds familiar. He created SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, okay. Um, Post Rocco, uh, Murray did Camp Lazo on Cartoon Network. Have you ever seen that show? Nope. I think I've seen an episode or two, but I was uh, probably in my 20s when that came out. Um, and then Let's Go Luna on PBS. And I've seen a few episodes of that. It's still on PBS now, and my daughter does like to watch that. It's not a bad show. Um, it's much in the same uh, animation style as Rocco's Modern Life, but oh, it's sure. a PBS educational show, so there's no fart jokes. No fart jokes. <laughs> you got uh, Rocco Rama, who was voiced by uh, Carlos L. How would you say that? I can't say it. Yikes. Yeah. A L A Z R A Q U I. So Carlos <laughs> is famous for his. Uh, uh, he was on Reno 911. Um, not Junior, not uh, um, Dangle, the other one with the gray hair. Oh man, I, I, I can't, can't think. Of his I can't name. think of his main name either. Not Terry. No, def- <laughs> definitely not Terry. I just saw Nick Swanson stand up at Mystic. You Lake did go to that last Saturday. Oh, you should have told me about that. That's so awesome. Incredible. That's so awesome. Uh, there is a Reno 911 Christmas movie coming out. Is, you heard is, it here first. Is he actually going to be in this one? He's going to be in because they rebooted that show on Tubi, which is now a defunct streaming service. And yeah. he was not on Tubi, which is unfortunate. because yeah. Terry's the best. Um, Carlos also was the Taco Bell Chihuahua, Yokiro Taco Bell. Oh, nice. <laughs> Heifer Wolf was voiced by Tom Kenny, which he's SpongeBob, which is kind of crazy. Now that I know that, that that's Tom Kenny after yeah. watching this, I'm like, oh, that's obviously Tom Kenny. He was also Cupid on the Fairly Odd Parents and the Ice King in Adventure Time, which I am a big fan of Adventure Time. I have not seen much Adventure Time. Oof, well worth binging the whole thing. Yeah. And then Filbert Turtle was voiced by Doug Lawrence, and he's also on SpongeBob. Uh, and he does Plankton and Larry the Lobster for voices. So nice. there is a very, very heavy association between Rocco's Modern Life and SpongeBob SquarePants, including writers, storyboard artists, directors. Most of the people that work on SpongeBob work uh, worked on Rocco. That's which is, cool. That's pretty cool. Um, for gaming, Rocco had a uh, a game, Rocco's Modern Life, uh, Spunky's Dangerous Day. Did you ever play this one? Mm-mm. No, me neither. Um, that was released for the Super Nintendo in 94. He, uh, Rocco appeared in uh, Nicktoons Attack on the Toybots, Nicktoons MLB, and Nicktoons Super Brawl Universe. Um, I've never played any of those games either. Same. <laughs> <laughs> I should. I, I did look at purchasing Rocco's Modern Life, uh, Spunky's Dangerous Day. It's a fairly affordable Super Nintendo game, so I think I'll probably end up picking that up, and we can probably roll all of these uh, video games into... Uh, Nicktoons video game roundup episode. Oh, that'd be fun. Especially if everybody liked the Batman video games roundup episode. Yep. Um, episode 204 uh, for Rocco's Modern Life originally aired October 23rd, 1994. And the first half of this episode is called Down the Hatch. Um, this is the second appearance by Bloaty and Squirmy. Um, I'm a big fan of their subplots that they have. Yeah, it's like an episode in an episode. Right, and I chose... I chose this episode without knowing that Bloaty and Squirmy were in it. And when it opened up with them, I was like, that is great. Yeah. I'm so happy that they're in this. Yeah, it's funny. I, I've i seen this episode more than any other episode. So right right away, I was like, yep, I've seen this episode like a hundred times. And to this day, if I ever hear the word salmonella, I think of <laughs> the guy in Spunky's stomach. I, I love how they throw him a piece of chicken. A piece of chicken. <laughs> he just demolishes it. Hey, look, it's salmonella. <laughs> 
this is and then this is also this episode also has a second appearance of the fatheads and you learn later on that it's based on Ed and Bev Bighead yep, and yep. created by their son Ralph. Yeah. That whole uh that whole episode is genius beyond it was like a meta episode before meta episodes were like a thing. Yeah. It was it's a that's a great episode. Um I particularly love Rocco's Modern Life's opening by the B fifty twos. It's uh they made that because they were fans. Like oh, really? yeah, I think they approached them to do the opening for it because there was opening music and then later on the B fifty twos recorded lyrics over that. Cool. Um like I said, I love the Fatheads when this episode opens up and their their catchphrases are so just like out there and just wacky. Like, yeah. the bake sale is off and I, I smell melons. <laughs> and then their new catchphrase to introduce the chewables is good morning. <laughs> yeah. And the tablets become a pivotal part of the episode. Um, obviously a parody on uh, Flintstones chewable tablets, right? On Flintstone strong, 10, right, mil- 10 million right. strong and growing. Uh, immediately Heifer is the worst, right? Yeah. I love Heifer, but he's the, he's, he's the, worst. the worst. He's in there watching TV before Rocco's awake. And then he rake, wakes up Rocco standing over him. Yeah. And creepily. <laughs> right. And Rocco asks him, what are you doing? He's like, watching you sleep. Like, what, <laughs> yeah, what, do you, what do you expect? Um, but Rocco gets them out of there. And this is where, uh, Heifer feeds, uh, uh, Spunky, the, the tablet, which, yeah. You know, he should have known. Should have right known. After, I mean, come on. Yeah, after it happened at his uh, grandmother's house on Thanksgiving also, where he fed the cat a tablet, and the cat exploded. Exploded. <laughs> should be pretty memorable, but not for Heifer. <laughs> but we get bloaty and squirmy, too, and, you know, uh, 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 I keep forgetting Spunky's I keep forgetting Spunky's name. Spunky's just basically like an amusement park for these uh, pests and stuff like that, yeah. which is a pretty funny... Uh, a uh, pretty funny angle on that. Rocco knows that uh, he's got 19 minutes to figure something out. So they head off to the vet immediately. Yeah. And R- Rocco is such a hard luck dude in every episode. It's, yes. Everything goes against Rocco, like yeah. every second of every episode. But he always has a really good positive attitude, right? Yeah. Unless he's screaming when his eyes are bulging out of his head and screaming right, at right. Heifer or doing any of those things, which he does every episode, multiple times an episode. I do love the eye gags in yeah. Rocco's Modern Life. Everybody's eyes are getting huge, yep. are exploding, filling up with water. Like, <laughs> just yeah. all the eye gags. How many times can we do an eye gag? Must have been uh, what they were doing in the writing room. Bloaty and Squirmy, they end up discovering the tablet, right? After Rocco tries to shake the tablet out of Spunky. Yep. And they immediately see dollar signs for some reason. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> immediately, they're just trying to run a scam. And that's a pretty... Uh, I think a common thread with Bloaty and Squirmy. I think yep. they're always trying to run a scam of some kind. Yeah. Once they get, once Rocco and Heifer and Spunky do get to the vet, we see a very funny and very weird scene with Filbert. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, I guess they wanted to have Filbert in the episode, which is great because Filbert's one of my favorite characters. Yes. Uh, but why is Filbert? obsessed with a loaf of bread a rotting loaf of bread <laughs> a rotting loaf the, of in bread in his head is a pet is a pet he saw it move yesterday yeah he, sheila was that the name of the pet? i want to say it was like meredith or something, something like M. that yeah something like that um but the vet ends up convincing him to give him the rotten loaf of bread by switching it out with a jar of sauce sauce <laughs> sauce all right give it here <laughs> Just to be broken, just right to be away. broken immediately, which is is pretty darn funny. Um, 
we get some more stuff with uh, Bloaty and Squirmy, and they're trying to convince all the other pests there's a, to to come pay to see this. What do they say? It's like a historical artifact. That yeah, you, yeah, that somehow uh, ended up in his ear. Yeah, at this I point. don't I don't understand how it made it into the ear, but uh, apparently it's gonna cause uh, immortality when in actuality it causes is explosions. Yeah. Um, but you know the maybe it's a Joe Murray comment on his feelings about religion, but uh, the father priest minister character ends up leading some sort of insurrection against them. So that might be a statement by Joe Murray. Yeah, it might be. Um, they all end up getting pieces of it and they all end up exploding. So they got their comeuppance. Um, but they, the, the, the dentist, the veterinarian uh, easily plucks the tablet out of his ear. Like we said, don't know how it quite got there, yeah. but it did. So he easily plucks it out and everybody's a okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> What what does he say? This means he's gonna be a mommy. <laughs> yeah, Spunky's not a mommy. Spunky's not a female. <laughs> oh well, then I guess that means he's gonna be all right. <laughs> like what? And that's uh pretty much how the episode ends. Yeah, I like when they first meet that doctor too, and explain what happened. He ate a chewable. You know he's gonna explode, right? <laughs> oh I God. love how serious and adult the voice is of that. I love I love that angle in Rocco's Modern Life. Yeah. Um. It was a good episode. It, not the strongest half. The second half is way stronger. Way Definitely. funnier. Yeah. Um, Road Rash is the name of that uh, second half. And it, like I said, it's a controversial episode. It's pretty infamous for being censored after its original uh, airing for the No Tell Motel. Okay. You, yep. you, you know what I, I noticed, mean? I noticed that. Yeah, yep. how it was just a still scene. Yeah. Um, it was replaced with a still shot. Um, so this, I did go watch the uh, actual seen on youtube and that link is in the show notes so if you want to go see it too on youtube you can mm-hmm. um it contains terrible racial stereotypes and sexual jokes so fyi okay um there's a terrible asian stereotype that's in it immediately okay. which is grounds enough for it to be immediately removed from the episode right there are ambiguous references to prostitution and there's a joke about okay this is a medical term so warning i'm going to say it <laughs> There's a joke about premature ejaculation. Whoa. Yeah, so that is in a child show. So, yeah. And um, why did that get cut out? Yeah, <laughs> why did that get... And the, that scene ends with uh, bed knocking sounds. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so I can't believe it aired to begin with. Yeah. It aired. It aired. Yeah, seriously. Like, that's pretty intense that that was on Nickelodeon. Um, there was also another scene that was edited before its original airing, which is interesting that they decided to edit this when it's way more innocuous than the last scene. So when uh, the uh, when Rocco and Heifer encounter the bikers in the Weenie Mobile, mm-hmm. and they turn out being really really nice, right? And it's a cool little turn of events. It's pretty funny. I enjoy that a lot. Um, Rocco was told that they by the biker the bikers retorked his Johnson rods. That line was muted during the episode, okay, and then it okay. was it was replaced with curtain rods and stuff. Okay, okay. So that is way less. Like I could have seen that maybe sneaking through, as yeah. opposed to terrible racial stereotypes and prostitution jokes. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Ultimately, this episode is like a classic road trip episode, right? Yeah. And immediately they are off course by Heifer being the worst. The worst. Hey, we're back on the road. Four ninety nine miles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they end up back at home. They want to get the Flem Rock before it's destroyed, just paved over, you know? Right. Um, besides uh, 
besides it being a, like a road trip episode, it's kind of like an Easy Rider parody, which is a movie from 1968 with uh, Peter Fonda and Jack Nicholas. And who else is in that movie? There's a few. Uh, um, what was the name of the woman? Hey, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blah, blah, blah. Hey, me. What was that woman's name? Hey, she, she's in that movie also. Uh, what was her name? Oh, well, I'll never remember it. Um, did you like the disco hits, the bagpipe disco hits? No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of a running thing in Rocco's Modern Life, right? Like shooting on a, on a disco, or not on disco, on bagpipes. Yeah. Like they're constantly making fun of bagpipes yep. in the series, which is always a funny gag to me. Um, I can't get it out. The tape is stuck. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. Um, one of the times they get lost and when they have to meet that farmer. I thought it was really That's the funniest. Yeah, scene to he me. just talks and talks, talks and talks and... and talks. And why do the sheds have pictures of Rufus and Shaka Khan painted on them? Yeah, it's the weirdest thing ever. If you hit the shed that's got Shaka Khan on it, you need to go back to the yeah. Shed. And why are they both purple? <laughs> right, go about five or ten miles. Uh, oh, somebody... that was just a great, great scene. I laughed so hard as he just kept going on and on and on it. It reminded me of customers where I work. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. I don't need your life story. But. <laughs> I don't need your life story. Uh, but then they get to, after Rocco does beat up the uh, the motorcycle because it, the the tape playing, the, the disco bagpipes, um, they end up at the that restaurant. Do you remember the name of the restaurant? Because I didn't write it down. At, I don't the, at the end of the episode? Uh, where the, he has the knockworth nightmare. Oh, no, I don't. I can't think of that, what yeah, that was right. called. It doesn't matter. But I thought that was a pretty funny uh, pretty funny exchange when he says, what's the biggest thing you got? And he's like, the knockworth nightmare platter. I'll take two. <laughs> Sir, there's not enough pigs in the country. Yeah. <laughs> Fine, I'll take one with a side of fries. <laughs> right. So what if two people come in and both want that? Just the second person can't get it. <laughs> no. And not even knowing that it's a competition, they do they do win it. Uh, just just inadvertently, Rock, oh, yeah. uh, Heifer is able to eat all that stuff, and they win Rice Aroni, the San Fernando treat, and the home game, and the Wienermobile. The Wienermobile. <laughs> Which is pretty funny, and they end up uh, right back on the road. Um, they, we already talked about the bikers. Uh, they do, uh, end up getting to, uh, Flem Rock at the end of the episode before uh, it gets destroyed. That's a little bit of a letdown. <laughs> it's much smaller than one would expect. How did somebody scale that? <laughs> Wasn't easy. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and it gets paved over and replaced with the choky chicken. Uh, still that's what I was thought you were asking. Uh, the one. choky chicken. Still choky chickens by this point, but it will be turning into chewy chickens in one of the other, <laughs> one of the other episodes we do. And then a heifer wants to go on more road trip, right? He names all the other all the other uh, uh, sites they could see, and yep. I don't think Rocco's really having it, is he? I don't think so either. <laughs> I think he's a little uh, done after that bagpipe trip. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I really, <clears throat> it's a good episode, right? It's a it it's is, a fun yeah. episode to watch. Um, I particularly like that it's a Rocco and heifer heavy episode. Like their yeah. dynamic is the best in the whole series. Mm-hmm. I, I love them together. Um, even like the, the episodes where it's the three with, with Filbert also, mm-hmm. uh, it's still better when it's just the two of them. Yeah. Um, Heifer plays Rocco's foil like perfectly. Yeah, definitely. Rocco's just too nice to do anything to make Heifer angry. Or I don't think he could even make Heifer angry because he's just not smart enough. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> uh, we'll have to do the episode where it's revealed that uh, Heifer's parents are wolves. Yeah, that's a really good episode. <laughs> that's a really good episode. Um, do you want to move on over to Ren and Stimpy? Let's do it. 
So Ren and Stimpy ran from August 11th, 91 to October 20th, 1996, and it was created by Canadian animer, animator John Chris Falusi, <clears throat> who will forever be known as John K. from now on. I'm never going to say that name again. <laughs> um, he only worked on the show from 89 to 92. He was fired in 92 to uh, creative differences. And in an interview that he did later on, uh, it was basically because he was the show was getting too violent and too gross. Nickelodeon said, bye-bye. See you later. Yeah, and I don't, I mean, the shows are gross, that is for sure. Yeah. But that's one of the, it's weird because they're gross, but it's like one of the endearing qualities about the shows. Agreed. It's one of the things where I'm like, I hate this, but I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was most famous for Ren and Stimpy, but uh, do you remember the Bjork music video he did at all? It was a big deal in 1997. Uh-uh. Like, it kind of won awards and stuff. I think it won... I didn't look for it, but I think it won like video of the year. It might have. I just distinctly remember it being a big deal and being on MTV. Yeah. Um, he voiced uh, Martin T. Ren Hoek, um, but then it was later voiced by Billy West. And then Stimpy, uh, J-Cat, uh, was always voiced by Billy West. And Billy West is a big deal. Um, he did Doug. He did Philip J. Fry, Professor Farnsworth, Dr. Zoidberg, Zat Brannigan, Richard Nixon. He's the Red M&M. Like he is, go look at his Wikipedia. He a is a lot of stuff. It, there's even more. Like he is easily the most prolific voice actors alive, if not ever. Like honestly, right. he's he's done everything, everything and anything. It's just pretty crazy. He also had a very bad drug problem in the '90s, <laughs> which I think comes through a little bit in Ren and Stimpy, especially when he's yeah. ranting as <laughs> right. Uh, this is an written Ren and Stimpy is like the original Nicktoon. It aired along with Doug and the Rugrats in that first block ever with Nicktoon. So yep. uh, give it the respect it deserves. Right. Um, and it was never, ever, ever far from controversy. We can probably pick almost any episode and find something that was probably controversial about it. Yes. Um, if you can't tell, I think uh, both Trav and I are big fans of Ren and Stimpy. Love Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> Um, Ren and Stimpy were in a ton of video games. So each of these video games starts with the Ren and Stimpy show, but I'm not going to read that every time. Uh, Space Cadet Adventures, that was on the Game Boy in 92. Buckaroos, that was in 93 on the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. Stimpy's Invention, that was on the Genesis in 93. Vidiots, you owned at one time. I that one. That one's very fun, very hard. Like every game ever. Like every <laughs> Super Nintendo game, yeah. yeah. And that was in 93, and that was on the uh, Super Nintendo and the Game Boy. Uh, Fire Dogs, which is, like you said, Vidiots was a direct pull from this episode, basically, yeah. right? Yeah, at least the start of the game is yeah. The Boy Who Cried Rat. Yeah, and then the same thing with Fire Dogs. That's the, the name of an episode, the next episode, actually. And that was in 94 on the Super Nintendo also. And then Quest for the Shaven Yak, starring Ren, Hoek, and Stimpy. That was on the Game Gear. I had never, ever, ever heard of that game until I found that it existed. So, And then finally, the Time Warp, which is in 94 by Super Nintendo. So we'll probably find a few of those games at some point to play and talk about them on the podcast, hopefully. Um, the original air date for this episode, which was Season 1, Episode 3, and they're Episodes 3A and 3B, uh, was on September 8th, 1991. And uh, Space Madness is the first half of this episode and is... Arguably the most iconic episode of Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. Right? Like you said that this is kind of referred to yeah. with a lot of things right. as the episode. Um, and one of our listeners that we know, uh, the Phantom, when he was listening to the previous episode and we were talking about the 
the homework assignment. And he said that as we were talking about it, he's like, well, they got to do Space Madness. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. I mean, that just goes to show what type of, th- this episode is really like the example, like the, when Stimpy pushes the button at the end of the episode, like that's a meme, you know, big time meme. Yes. And people have used that forever to just describe anything that's intense and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, this is the first Commander Hoek and Cadet Stimpy episode. Um, and it was considered to be one of the top 100 greatest moments in Nicktoon history. Uh, it was 84th, but still, that's something, still. that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, did you know, and I did not know this, I'm sure I ran across it, but this episode ran on repeat for an entire day with an apology running across the bottom of the screen. What? From Nick- <laughs> yes. Like, there's nothing we can do yeah. 24 hours later, we'll change it. <laughs> right, basically. Um. The open where where we said that uh, uh, Angry Beavers was like very 1960s reminiscent 1960s esque, Ren and Stimpy skews more towards like the 1950s, like late 1950s. That sort of invokes that type of uh, uh, visions in my mind, you know, mm-hmm. like the whole homemaker type of thing, yeah, smoking jacket and pipes and all that. Right, that's what it, I mean. The late 50s, early 60s, and it makes sense. In 91, again, for the 30 year, everything comes back around. That's what these writers and directors and everybody, that's what they grew up with. So that's the inspiration that they draw from. Um, I like that this is another like episode within an episode. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy that a lot about this show. Um, I thought it was funny that uh, Stimpy was using a TV guide, right? That's a a dated thing, which is an interesting uh, thing to see. And, um, he was very excited for the show and Ren, not so much. And, uh, you get that cool wave effect where it's sort of like, is this in Ren's mind? Like, is this what he is envisioning? Is this right. in Stimpy's mind? But right. then the seamless transition to that, you know, like pulp, pulp comic, 1950s sci-fi, like, yeah. uh, that type of stuff, which is a cool aesthetic for this episode. I really like it. And, uh, the animation is just, while it seems basic and crude it's just super appropriate for the tone of the episode yeah it's really funny too if you notice whenever ren is like in her monologue talking to himself stimpy's always in the back and the motherboard's like a little bit different and mm-hmm. by the end it's a two buttons side by side and all stimpy's doing is pressing each button <laughs> just randomly seemingly nothing is happening but <laughs> oh that's great i absolutely enjoy that a lot um it really doesn't take Ren very long to go completely nuts, right? Completely crazy. <laughs> In the description of the show on Paramount Plus, it refers to him as a psychotic chihuahua. <laughs> I just think that's funny. There's no way that would pan out today. No. It's like, watch this show about a psychotic <laughs> chihuahua. I'm not letting my kids watch that. No, I'm, you know, I, I, I even kind of remember, uh, it being a bit controversial in my household, I think I was like talked to about watching Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. Like, I think it was sort of like, don't emulate, you know, yeah. those things. And- Please realize <laughs> this is just a show. Don't, don't reenact any of these things. Uh, but Stimpy's solution for Ren's madness initially is to have him go take a bath. Right. Yep. yep. <laughs> but it seems to only like make him careen deeper into his psychosis, into yeah. his space madness. That almost deserved an echo effect because that's kind of what it was in the episode. And of course, he whips him with the towel, which is just something <laughs> hey, we did all the time off. when we were kids. Yeah. 
but he turns off the gravity. I don't know why that would make him uh, relax a little bit more, but yeah. um, soon uh, Ren is full on nuts and he's eating his soap because he thinks it's a yummy, yummy ice cream bar. Yeah. Uh, and he tells the ice cream bar that they share, they like the same things, right? Like uh, boiled football leather. Yeah. <laughs> like It's just the oddest, like you got to be a little bit out there to uh, to really come up with that type of stuff. Is it earlier in the episode when they're deciding who's going to eat what and he lets Ren eat the can? <laughs> yes. What are you going to eat? Oh, the sock. <laughs> You're giving me the can? <laughs> uh, but it's really, this is, a, a, it, all of this is just a really big play on any multitude of uh, B-movies from the time. Um I enjoyed the farting in the tub from Ren. I thought that was pretty darn funny. That was funny. I had forgot that it was even a thing in the episode, and it got a legitimate laugh out of me after seeing it. Um, so Ren and Stimpy end up like Stimpy ends up like embracing Ren and really doing that like motherly figure, which is something mm-hmm. that he does throughout the whole series. Like he's definitely like the motherly figure for Ren, almost. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> Which I didn't remember it that way, to be no. honest. For whatever reason, I remember Stimpy just being the idiot the whole time. But he's the compassionate one. Yeah, it's it's a it's almost like it's an allegory for an extremely abusive domestic relationship. Kinda, it, yeah. It, that's it really, true. yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately. Um, I mean, is that something that John K may have gone through himself as a child? Who knows? Maybe. I am not uh, one to um, be a, what is it, an armchair psychologist? That's not my thing. Um, uh, Ren. So after Ren kind of gets calmed down again, he is still pretty dead set on uh, Stimpy. He accuses Stimpy of attacking him, and he thinks Stimpy is the one that has space madness. Yeah. So he comes up with this plan to have Stimpy guard a button that will erase history. Why that's on the ship, who knows? <laughs> yeah. You're on a 36-year mission to the Crab Nebula. I don't know why you need a history-erasing button, but it makes for an interesting plot twist. Yes. Um, and he just, Ren just eggs on Stimpy over and over and over to not push the button. Right. And uh, obviously Stimpy's going to push the button. Even the announcer bouncing his butt on Stimpy's head, <laughs> yeah. rolling him in front of the button. He's like, can he hold out? Can he do it? And then Stimpy obviously says, no, I can't. Yeah, that's a great scene. And then the episode ends with him erasing history, which I love. They all disappear. The Ren and Stimpy disappear in the title card and everything. Yep. And then the episode's done. Who knows if they'll be back? Yeah. There's no way to know. Right. You know, it's, this was early enough on in, uh, in Ren and Stimpy's history that maybe he, John Kay is doing an episode like this because he's like, who knows if I'm going to be able to make more episodes after this one. Right. Is this going to be the final straw? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was fired soon thereafter, really. Not that long after that. Um, and then, you know, the second half of this episode is the not as strong uh, section. Definitely Space Madness is uh, the better half. Um, it's the first episode. Well, I should say it's called The Boy Who Cried Rat. And this is the first episode where they refer to Ren as a chihuahua. Um hmm. And then <laughs> I actually had it in my notes. Uh, the video game Ren and Stimpy Vidiots had a level based on this episode. Oh, okay. So there, there you go. go. I actually yep. had it yep. in my notes. Um, it's a it's a loose Tom and Jerry parody, right? Yes. That's I mean that's and, exactly what I got out of. And Ren is supposed to be uh, uh, Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Uh, obviously Mickey Mouse. There's no no sugarcoating that he's Mickey Mouse. Right. Um, they're always trying to work a scam. Uh, you know, um, they end up talking their way into this house, which is. It's pretty funny, you know, after they 
get in there the night before and Ren has a beaver in his pocket and uses it to cut a hole in the wall, which is a great gag. I thought it was hilarious. Another great gag. Yeah. Starts it with its own pull start. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah. it's a great gag. I absolutely love that. Um, uh, so then the next day, uh, Stimpy ends up at the door, you know, and it says Stimson, Stimson, uh, what does it say? Uh, did I not write it? It says like, oh, it says uh, professional mouse catcher. So Stimson J Cat, professional mouse catcher. Yeah, right yeah. There. And uh, convinces um, Mrs. Pipe. Did you know that that's their names? Like officially, Mr. and Mrs. Pipe? I did not. Uh, she, she's not smoking a pipe in this episode, but I do recall her in later episodes also having a pipe. And this is the only episode where she also has an orange dress. Everything else is a blue dress. Yeah. Um, uh, so she gets, she brings him in and uh, Mr. Pipe is like, uh, yep, that's a cat. All right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the thing that really convinces uh, Mr. Pipe is the fact that Ren is beating up on their cheese. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> squeak, squeak, squeak. He comes out and then beats up on the cheese. <laughs> uh, and then for $5, they're off and running, you know, and more hilarity ensues with a, uh, uh, Tom and Jerry esque stuff, you know, and yeah, uh, with Ren uh, faking that he's being being hurt and uh, cut up and destroyed, while actually infi- inflicting pain and violence on Stimpy for real, yeah, uh, which is a funny gag, but also harkens back to that domestic violence situation. Yeah. This whole series is gonna, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna just put that out of my mind. That's not what this was about, right? <laughs> but they end up getting busted because Stimpy can't eat Ren. Yeah. That's a pretty funny scene, though, and of course, as most cartoons, it makes zero sense when he hops in Stimpy's mouth, and all of a sudden, he's small enough to fit in Stimpy's mouth. That... They're pretty bad about that on Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, and then he, you know, coughs him out as a big fur ball, and then they Go got... wash him off and let him try again. That cat has to be starving. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then they try to, you know, admit they'd done wrong, and he wants him to give the $5 back. And this was the part that I literally burst out laughing to myself when Stimpy cries. And he's like, oh, the f- talk about food. I ate the five bucks. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Why would he do that? But of course he did. Only Stimpy, right? Only Stimpy. Only Stimpy. Um, and then the classic movie, TV, Three Stooges convention of having to do dishes to make up your debt, yep, right? Yep. That's ger- directly pulled from like Three Stooges. That's where I remember seeing it the first time ever was can't pay for your bill or you destroyed the restaurant, so you got to do dishes until uh, until you've paid off your debt. Yep. Um, but Mrs. Pipe also wants them to vacuum the rug, paint the yard, and shave the chickens. Shave the chickens. <laughs> Shaving is a theme in Ren and Stampede. Yes, it is. <laughs> I don't know why, but it is. And it's funny every time. Yeah, it is. (laughs) And with that, that segment ends. Um, But we do get a little short segment at the end of this episode, which I had forgot was on the end of it. And I kind of had really placed out of my mind. I didn't really remember any of it. But then when I saw it, I was like... Oh, yak shaving yeah. day. Uh, but with yak shaving day. Yak um, shaving It's a classic short segment. Uh, you got to make sure you decorate, though, right? With disposable it, diapers. Yeah. Yeah, you can't forget. And coleslaw on dad's boots. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> like, was this just, like, to see if some kids back in the day would do this? <laughs> I think so. Like, that's what I yeah, thought, too. Was like had to be hundreds of kids all over putting coleslaw on their dad's boots. <laughs> I would not doubt that one bit. Um, and that's the type of thing that you could get away with those cartoons. Not anymore, but Not you could anymore. get away with that. Um, and then you don't forget the heaping bowl of hot lather. Yeah. <laughs> Cause and, I mean, and Stimpy's presenting it like 
this is a lesson to be learned because he starts <laughs> by saying, hey, kids. And for the split second, I thought, is there actually going to be something educational? No, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Not one bit. Not one bit. Um, I did find it weird uh, to watch a very buff yak shaving. Yes. And the fact also that he was com- he's completely shaved from head to toe also. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> so, yeah, he was naked. But he's a yak, so he shouldn't have clothes. But it felt weird. It, like, it felt like he was naked. It just was, it's only John K, right? Yeah, <laughs> only yeah. John K. Um, but Stimpy got what he wanted. He did get what he wanted. <laughs> he even insinuates that he, like, wrote a letter to the yak to ask for shaving scum. <laughs> Yeah, right. he got my letter. He got my letter. And uh, I told you before this podcast that I really thought, like, I remembered Stimpy eating the shaving yes, scum. and I thought he was going to do the same he thing. He just no. put it in his pocket, though. I remember him eating that. There's got to be something similar, <laughs> there eventually, must be. that he eats. Or like, when the... they do the salve. I know there's salve that they're putting on everything. You put it on your toast and everything. Yeah. Um, maybe it's that Mandela effect. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the gruesome close-ups real quick in Ren and Stimpy? Sure. That, <laughs> like the Stimpy butt close-up? Like the, see, the like, stills where yeah. it's like ultra-detailed. Ultra-detailed, uh, like pimples and oh, hair on his butt. They're so grotesque. That's why they're called the grotesque close-ups. But they're really, really artistic. They are. Yeah. And I can appreciate for them for that, but... After watching this episode a few times, and they're not even that bad in this episode. There's way worse grotesque close-ups because I like went online to go look at some more, and I'm like, yeah. "Wow, those are pretty hideous." And yeah. you know, SpongeBob and other episodes, other shows are they do it also. Mm-hmm. What I didn't know is that those are drawn by the animators or the storyboard artists, like independently from like the writing process and oh, everything. Sure. I didn't know that, and. Um, Bob Camp, the animator, like one of the main animators, one of the main animators for Ren and Stimpy, is pretty famous for him. Um, if you just like Google Bob Camp gruesome close-ups, there's a lot of them, and they are artistic and they are gruesome. Yeah. Um, so I really go check them out if you haven't already, because it inspired me to go check them out. That's yeah, for sure. Yep. I had to actually, I wanted to find out what they were, those were actually called. I didn't know that they were called gruesome close-ups until I Googled like. Weird still shots and Ren and Stimpy, you know, yeah, just yeah. to figure it out. So it's appropriately named. Um, I really, really love Ren and Stimpy, and it was so very, much. very hard for me not to just keep, keep watching. watching. Oh my god, I yeah. love Ren and Stimpy, and I'm sad that I've waited so long to go back to watch the episodes. I agree with all these. I mean, I had rewatched Angry Beavers somewhat recently, and and Rocco, I guess actually not somewhat recently, but. Four or five years ago, I watched a few seasons of each, and they're obviously amazing, but it's been way too long since I've watched Ren and Stimpy, for sure. Yeah, and maybe you didn't come away from, the listener didn't come away from this episode um, of Ren and Stimpy really thinking that they could continue on, because maybe we view it from a a different angle if you've never seen this before, but really stick with Ren and Stimpy. It's well worth it just for the the history and animation. It was Mm -hmm. a real trendsetter for everything that was there after on Nickelodeon and even like the tone and creativeness of any type of adult animation since then. Mm -hmm. It's very influential. And 
absolutely love Ren and Stimpy. I can't say it enough. Yeah. I'm excited to eventually, whether it's we assign a full season or a half a season or X number of episodes, I'm excited to get back into some Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, and that's one thing that we'd love to hear from the listener about. Are you interested, listener, in doing a whole episode, a whole season as homework? Half yep. a season as homework? I mean, let us know, please, because if you are, we'll do it. Definitely. We, we want to make the shows that you want to listen to. Um, I, I don't have anything else that I really need to talk about with these uh, Nicktoons episodes. Do you have anything else that you want to bring up? No, I don't think so. Okay, so should we talk about the homework assignment? Let's hear what it is. So it's topical. Uh, this summer was a big, big summer for Top Gun. So we're going to do 1986's Top Gun, May 16th, 1986 to be specific. Uh, the primary inspiration for this film was the article Top Guns by Ehud Yane. Um, I spelled it out phonetically in my notes so I was able to <laughs> uh, say it correctly. And it was in the May 1983 issue of the California, excuse me, the May 1983 issue of California magazine. Um, it featured uh, pilot then Lieutenant Commander Charles Heater Heatley. And the article was about the life of a fighter pilots at the Naval Air Station in Myanmar in San Diego, San Diego, which is known as by the fighter pilots as Fighter Town USA. Uh, the box office numbers worldwide uh, in 1986 it made $357 million, and that's a cool $942 million today, so a billion-dollar movie. Holy crap. That's a big deal, right? Yeah. Um, it was directed by Tony Scott. Sadly, he died in August of 2012. He's known for films like Beverly Hills Cop 2 in 87, Days of, Days of Thunder in 90, which a lot of people hate, but I personally absolutely love that movie, so it will be on a, uh, um, a homework assignment eventually. Crimson Tide in 95, and that's just to name a few. He's done a, a lot of other stuff. Um, and interestingly enough, I did not know this, he's the younger bu- brother to Ridley Scott, and yes, that Ridley Scott. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it was produced uh, by Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer. Jerry Bruckheimer should stick out to you, does it, Trav? The name sounds very familiar. It should, because he's a big deal. <laughs> like, he's a really big deal. With movies like The Rock, Con Air, Armageddon, Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, National Treasure franchise, like, and the list will go on. There's a lot of other. I just didn't want to list them all, because that's, who wants to listen to lists all the time? Uh, so, Bruckheimer's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh Great producer. Um, it stars Tom Cruise as Lieutenant Pete Maverick Mitchell. He's a U.S. Navy pilot. Kelly McGillis as Charlotte Charlie Blackwood, and she's an instructor in the Top Gun uh, Academy and Maverick's love interest, which he was in his early 20s in this movie, and she was like 47 when this movie was made. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so the age difference wasn't so apparent on VHS, but it's very apparent on Blu-ray. Sure, sure. Uh, which, nothing to say um, bad to her, but she was like 22 years older than her. Right. It's a good love interest, but it's not. Well, we'll get into that later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that character is also based on a real-life person, Christina, Christine Fox, who worked at the Naval Air Station. Uh, Val Kilmer is Lieutenant Tom Iceman Kazansky. Uh, he's a Top Gun student and Maverick's rival. Uh, Kilmer didn't originally want to be in the film, Um but uh, he was convinced to do it. Um, oh, man, I even read the story on it. I'm trying to remember why, and I, we'll bring it up in the next episode. That's cool that uh, he's in it, though. I don't think I've seen Val Kilmer in anything else. So. Oh, he's great in this. It's, I, would say, I would say it's a better role than his Batman role. Like, sure. It's, way, it's a good role. Cool. Uh, the amount of Val Kilmer that's been in my life lately has made me really appreciate Val Kilmer. Yeah. And his, 
his current life story is pretty tragic and very unfortunate. He's lucky to be alive, I think. Yeah, uh, I've heard bad things. So it's unfortunate that this newest Top Gun, the one that came out in 2022, is going to be his last role. Uh, but uh, hopefully he's able to uh, live a much longer life and still be out there and still uh, be so able to do he, his he thing. is in the new one. He is in the new one. Spoiler okay. alert. It's not, it's not that much of a spoiler alert. Um, and we got Anthony Edwards as Lieutenant Nick Goose Bradshaw. Um, he's Maverick's radar inter- intercept on uh, intercept officer and best friend. Uh, so that's uh, the same uh, uh, the same Anthony Edwards that was in ER and oh, a bunch okay. of other movies. So. Not to be confused with the Timberwolves superstar. <laughs> no, not to be confused <laughs> with Ant. Not to be confused with Ant. Um, uh, and then we got uh, Tom Skerritt, and he is Mike Viper Metcalf, and he's the commanding officer and instructor of Top Gun. He's a veteran of the Vietnam War. And uh, su- served with Duke Mitchell, who was Maverick's father. So there's a connection there between those two characters. Uh, Michael Ironsides is Rick Jester Heathley, a naval aviator and Top Gun instructor. Tim Robbins is a Sam Merlin Wells, and he's Cougar's radar interceptor. And later, he becomes Maverick's uh, uh, during the climax. And Meg Ryan is uh, Carol Bradshaw, and that's Goose's wife. Now, she doesn't have a v- very big role in the movie, but uh, I'm always a fan of Meg Ryan in the movie. So. Mm-hmm. Um, we cannot forget about the soundtrack for Top Gun is nine times platinum certification. Like this is really, really big deal, right? Yeah. Uh, great songs like danger zone, playing with the boys, take my breath away. Personal favorite. I absolutely love take my breath away by Berlin. I can listen to that song any day, anytime. It gives me all of those 1980s feels every time I listen to it. So. Goosebumps right now just thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> I love yeah. that song. Absolutely love that song. And then the Top Gun anthem. Um, for video games, uh, Top Gun was released in 1987 for the NES, and it's famously difficult. Have you ever played that game? I have not. No, neither have I, and I think it's another one. I actually might own it. I think I have it and never played it. I think I have it. Oh, crap. I, th- I think I do have it. I think I-, I bought a bundle of Nintendo games one time, and I think it was in there. Never played it. Maybe I don't have it. I feel like I would have played it if I had it. Probably. So maybe I don't have to find out. But there's plenty of copies out there of it, so I don't think it would be uh, very expensive. And then there's a few other video games that were released. Top Gun Fire at Will was released in 96 for the PC and later for the Sony PlayStation. Top Gun Hornet's Nest was released in 1998 for Windows. And the other games were in the 2000s, so we won't talk about those. Um. You have not seen Top Gun, correct? I have not seen Top Gun. It's not egregious by any means. I mean, unless you saw it in the mid to early to mid '90s, I don't think it's had a heavy TV rotation since then. Um, the resurgence lately has been very surprising. People really love it because I think I find the resurgence in it lately surprising. Because I mean, I'm completely transparent here. This movie was made with a lot of military money from the U.S. Navy and stuff, so it is a commercial for the Navy. Sure. It is a commercial for the Navy. That's, you know, part of the deal with movies like that where you get to use our actual aircraft carriers. You get to use Mm -hmm. our actual airplanes, which they're not actually flying in this Top Gun movie. It's mock-ups and stuff, but you get to be on there filming, doing all this stuff. You get real-life support from actual Navy people, but this is a big but. You have to show the military in a positive light at all times, no matter what. Sure. So you got to take that. You got to understand going into this movie that it's not sending a, um, it's not 
scrutinizing the Navy or any military or America or anything like that in any way whatsoever. Ever. <laughs> so don't expect that from this movie. You need to expect airplanes acting. Yeah. Airplanes acting. Airplanes and acting. So it's fun. Yeah. But don't expect anything more than that. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Are you excited to to see it? Yeah, I am excited, especially with the hype. I mean, I just hung out with my uncle when I went to go see Nick Swartz, and he said the new one is super good. So it is. I'm excited to see it. It's got me more pumped than I already was to watch it, knowing the next one is so good. It, 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 the movies are similar. I'm not going to talk. I, w- I want to talk on the movie because I've seen it, but I'm not going to talk on the movie. We should only need to talk on Top Gun 1986. Yeah. Obviously, I can, I'm sure you can tell. I'm excited to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I enjoy that. I just, it's, it was one of those movies. It was introduced to me by my father and it's like, you got to watch this movie. It's great. He was a former Navy man. He wasn't an, uh, a pilot by any means, but he was in the Navy. So I mean, I'm sure it held a special place in his heart. Sure. He's not dead. It still holds a special place in his heart. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose my uncle was in the Navy, too, so that yeah, makes sense. it really does. Um, I got, that's all I really have to say about that today. Um, I can't wait to talk more about it. Um, that one's going to be a pretty loose and freewheeling, fun-dealing episode, I think. It's going to be, be wheeling. Fun. We're going to be dealing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, what you got for me, Trav? I think it's time to get into the email section of the podcast. So our first email comes from ManBearPig074. He says, Longtime fan, first time emailer. My favorite comedian of the 90s was Jim Carrey. And my favorite underrated movie of his was Cable Guy. And he says that I would love to hear you guys break it down and get your take on it. So we have our first suggestion from somebody here. Cable guy. Cable guy. Which, by the way, before I get to the question, his Super Bowl commercial in 2022 for the cable guy was absolutely amazing. Loved it. Yeah. So his question he gets to here is, my question is, what is your favorite Jim Carrey movie and what is your favorite quote? Uh, Do you want to go first? You want me to go? You go first. So my favorite Jim Carrey movie is Dumb and Dumber. Um, We said that in an episode before. Um, I have no problem reiterating that because Dumb and Dumber stands head and shoulders above every other one of his comedies for me. The first Ace Ventura is right there, but it's it's still Dumb and Dumber. Uh, My favorite line in the movie is when uh, they're in Vail, right? Yeah. In Vail, and they're looking at uh, the briefcase to try to find out who to call. Yeah. And uh, he goes, Samsonite! I was way off. I was way off. (laughs) Maybe it's right there in the briefcase. Yeah. Slippy, Uh, slappy, (laughs) swanny. Yeah, I love that. That's mine. How about you, Trav? So so the latter part of this is the Jim Carrey quote, but this is probably my favorite quote of the whole movie. I can't believe we drove around all day and there's not a single job in this town. There's nothing. Not a zip. Yeah. Unless you want to work 40 hours a week. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And that's right before uh, 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 Harry's freezing his hands off, right? Um, That's right after they both lose their job. So it's after he messes up the limo ride and then after Harry messes up the... Dogs. Yes. Or yes, canines. Yes, yes, dogs, yes, the yes. late person. Uh, <laughs> but so 
I wrote down one more, even though Dumb and Dumber is ours. I, I felt like we had to put Dumb and Dumber because it was in both of our top three in our episode one. So, But just to be different, I also put one from Liar Liar, which is another one of my favorite movies is. I'm kicking my ass. <laughs> Do you mind? <laughs> I love that one, too. Oh, that's a really good one. I guess I can give you an, another one, too. An Ace Ventura Pet Detective. I remember laughing so hard in that first five minutes, ten minutes of that movie when he's in the police station and he bends over and starts talking with his butt. Oh, and he says, God. let me ask you a few questions. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is absolute classic. Yeah. I just love that scene in that. Uh, I that never inappropriately did that as a kid <laughs> no, in grade school. Never. I never talked with my butt. Okay, moving on. <sighs> So consider me Miles Davis wants to know what was your favorite underrated Adam Sandler movie? Favorite underrated so Adam Sandler. So of course not Happy Go More nope. and not Billy Madison, nope. which we both talked about a lot already. So I'm gonna go off the board here and I'm gonna say Punch Drunk Love. Okay. Um it wasn't his it was like his first foray into serious acting, real serious acting. Mm-hmm. And uh, it stands out to me for that. Um, I really kind of, I think I've said this before, I fell off Adam Sandler pretty much around that time anyways. I just was not a fan of the the comedy that he was bringing anymore, but sure, uh, sure. I, I, I think Punch Drunk Love. It's a movie I've seen a few times, but it's I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So for me, I put Airheads. Oh, that's a really, really good answer, Trav. Really, really, really good movie. Oh, that's a really good answer. You got answer. Adam Sandler, Brendan Fraser, and Steve Buscemi. Mm-hmm. It's just gold. And I mean, Squirt Guns Full of Hot Sauce. Squirt, squirt Guns Full of Hot Sauce. Oh, I love that movie. Brendan Fraser. He's an American treasure. American treasure. <laughs> and Buscemi is good in everything, whether it's a serious role or a comedy. He's just really good actor. Both of those might have to be... Homework assignments yeah, eventually. I think Airheads is on the list for sure. Definitely. So the next question here comes from Squirmy the Ringworm. Wants to know, what was the first episode of a Nicktoon that pops into your head when you think of your childhood? Any Nicktoon. The very first episode of Doug with uh, um, the the beats, right? Yeah, yep. the beats and I-E-U, killer, killer tofu. tofu. The whole thing, like the dynamic with uh, uh, Patty Mayonnaise is set up immediately. The parade that they're in, right? That's When I think of Nicktoons, I think of Doug. I really do. I think of Doug. Yeah. So the three shows we did are my favorite three shows, but the episode that I always think of when I think of Nicktoons, no matter if I'm trying to think of something else, is the Snow Day episode in Hey Arnold. Oh, yes. That's a very good episode. it must have just played every time we had a Snow Day (laughs) Probably, probably. I've seen it so many times, but I love that episode where he has to go to work because his grandpa's making him work, and by the end there's the great arc where, oh, you can have fun too. But yeah, I always think of that every time when we were having school canceled, like, PS 118, (laughs) PS 118. (laughs) Uh, what was the name of his uh, primary bully early on? Not Helga Pataki, uh, not Stinky. Harold. Harold, thank you. Um, that episode where they're going to fight. Yeah. And don't hit me. I'll hit me. <laughs> I enjoy that episode yeah. a lot, too. Yeah, I like that good. a lot. And Stoop Kid's Afraid to Leave the Stoop. Stoop Kid. Yeah. Uh, so next question here is from, well, isn't that special? Wants <laughs> to know, who was your favorite pro athlete when you were a kid? Brett Hull. That's an easy one for me. Um, the, uh, Minnesota North stars left in 92. So I was forced to find a new hockey team to follow. And I choose, chose the St. Louis blues. Uh, there was no, uh, Chicago or in Chicago, there was no, uh, Colorado avalanche at the time. 
and I couldn't bring myself to be a Blackhawks fan. Sure. So, so it was the St. Louis Blues, and I uh, idolized Brett Hall. We played the same position in hockey, so that was, he cool. was my guy, Brett Hall. Nice. He's I a really good player, too. So I knew you'd go hockey, for sure. Yep. So you're a Minnesota Wild fan now, obviously. Yes. Are you still a Blues fan at all? Or? No, not at all. Not at as all. soon as we got the Wild, it was like, flip, see you flip, later, Blues. See you, Blues. <laughs> so for me, I put Michael Jordan. I know that's, hey, Michael Jordan. But Nothing I wrong mean, with that. How can you grow up in the 90s and not love Michael Jordan? Agreed. I, I, I love Michael Jordan he, as well. <laughs> he is still considered the GOAT, six championships in the 90s, and Space Jam. Yeah. And I love Space Jam. So Three-peat, repeat. Gotta the like three-peat, that. repeat. Gotta like that. He was, Michael Jordan was a giant part of the 90s. Huge part. I, commercials, TV, movies. Yeah, he was a really Dominating big, on the court. I mean. He was a sure. really big part of the 90s. Um. You know, I somewhat transitioned to Kevin Garnett because we drafted him right out of high school, mm-hmm. I think, in 97 or 98. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Michael Jordan was the man. So our next question here comes from Norman Bates wants to know, or says, sorry, Norman Bates says, we all grew up, or we all know growing up in the 90s was awesome, but what's one thing that you do not miss from the 90s? Something that I don't miss from the 90s. Oh, man, that's kind of tough. I'm trying to think because, you know, memories are generally fond memories. Right. Um, something that I, um, I I would say cell phones, but that's like blurred, blurred vision because I'm like most every other person. I'm d- addicted to my cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, man. I, could, I mean, I was going to say like certain movies, but no, like I could get into rated R movies as a 12 year old. You know, yeah. nobody. Oh, that's really tough. Do you have something? I have something. Okay. So, and I agree with the cell phone thing. Just a simpler time, it just was. missing that. Yeah. But yeah. I put I put dial up internet. Oh yeah. <laughs> I do not miss having to unplug the telephone and plug in my PlayStation <laughs> to play no. online games. So yeah, I definitely don't miss dial up internet. No. I don't miss that. But, but it was a hard question because I love the 80s and 90s. That so is a hard question. I think what I'm going to say, what I don't miss, man, I'm going to stew on that. We might come back sure, to it. Sure, we'll come back to that. So the next question here is from Wilson wants to know, if you remember the first movie to make you sad. Uh, Milo and Otis. I remember Ooh. as a young child crying at the end of that movie when they go their separate ways. It's a very vivid memory for sure, me. Sure. At the end of the movie, they go their separate ways because they have their own families now. Yep. And it's such a melancholy, sad ending. And it's it's such a beautiful like fall day, which is where this movie starts. No, the movie start, no, it starts in the fall. No, it starts in the spring. So I remember the leaves were falling at the end. I was going to try to draw some conclusion about it starts where it ends, but I don't think it does. I'm pretty sure it starts where uh, it starts in the spring and ends in the fall, which makes sense, I guess. Um, but it's Milo and Otis for sure. That's that's what I, it's a distinct memory. Of. And was this one of your top movies? Because you've brought up Milo and Otis. Before. Yes. Milo okay. and Otis is a favorite of mine. For sure. So I remember watching this movie on an Easter when I was a kid. The Good Son. Oh, yes. Very sad. Very sad. And Macaulay Culkin is a really good child actor. Yes. He really is. Like. Even though he totally deserves what happens to him yep. when she has to make the decision between Frodo or Kevin McAllister, mm-hmm. she chooses Frodo, but it's just sad, you know, just to watch him fall down that cliff. Yeah. Yeah. 
He deserved but it though. He definitely deserved <laughs> it though. He's a son of a yes, you know he what. was. It's amazing how different uh Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Woods like careers went, you know? It's, it's right. it, they're so different. Definitely. So can you think of anything you do not miss from the nineties? I don't miss having to rewind VHS tapes. That's a good one. Uh, I really don't miss that. That's um, a good one. I don't miss having to like wait for television shows to come on. That's true as well. Uh, yes. Where you know you'd like you look forward in in the TV guide a little bit, like the paper TV guide, and you're like, "That's at six o'clock tonight. What time? It's two o'clock in the afternoon. I got four hours. I guess I could go outside. No, I'll just watch what's on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't miss having to wait for television programs. Um, appointment TV is kind of a big deal now when you have to go find something on television that's only airing at this time. And that's all you had growing up, and I don't miss appointment TV. Yep, yep. So after our sad question, I wrote, enough of this sappy show of emotion, and that wraps up the emails for this episode. So a reminder to everybody that your next homework assignment is Top Gun. Very excited to start getting into some non-Batman stuff, just like (laughs) we did with this one. Uh, I am kind of pleasantly surprised, though, to find out that Val Kilmer is in this one. That's kind of cool that it ties together with that a little bit. Uh, make sure you guys are emailing us at overduehomeworkpodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter at overduehomework and Instagram at overduehomeworkpodcast. And as always, make sure you tune in to the next exciting episode of the Overdue Homework Podcast.